Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary on a Fights in Football Friday. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you're watching this on YouTube, remember to subscribe, remember to like, uh, leave a comment, share the video, that stuff helps. Um, if you are listening in podcast form, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can. Um, all of that stuff helps grow the show as well. Um, you can find me on social media. My name is Peter Klein. I am at Primetime Klein on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, twitch.tv slash PK, and you can email this show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. We are also available on Facebook. Like I said, it is a Fights and Football Friday, which uh, there's a lot of both of those this weekend. We are going to be covering every game in the National Football League. We are going to get into our fight breakdown for UFC 294 coming up this weekend with a massive fight at the top of the card. Uh, giant changes in just 11 days, turning this from, oh yeah, it's a pretty good card, to, oh, this is one of the most important cards of the year. So we have a lot with that. There's some big boxing news this week, and we'll get into the world of professional wrestling. So a lot to get into. May as well get into it, starting with the National Football League. It is a pick per game as we run through every game and break it all down here on Couch Potato Diary, starting with the Cleveland Browns taking on the Indianapolis Colts. Cleveland, two and a half point favorites with the total sitting at 40 and a half. Screen just jumped on me a little bit, but we're going to keep moving anyway. Um, this is an intriguing matchup for a couple of reasons. One, it sounds like the Browns are getting their piece of shit quarterback, Deshaun Watson, back into the lineup. Now, um, I don't know how much of an upgrade that is. He seemed like he was starting to maybe play better, although you do have to question where the mind is at after a couple of weeks where he has been medically cleared and just hasn't played. Um, so a, a very weird situation going on with that. We'll see what's going on with Deshaun Watson. Um, but this Cleveland defense once again showed up on um, on the weekend in a win over the, the San Francisco 49ers in kind of putting this team back on the map. Going up against the Colts team. They're the rookie quarterback. Anthony Richardson is done for the season. In comes Gardner Minshew. I just don't think the Colts are, are good enough. I, I think that this offense is going to have a really difficult time against a Browns defense that ranks first in DVOA and first in defensive EPA per play. Um, DVOA, I go over this every week, but if you're new, uh, DVOA is a stat that measures a team's efficiency while EPA per play, um, each spot on the field and each down gets a, a certain projected point amount. Um, so you start the drive first and 10 on the 25, you are expected to get X amount of points from that. If you make a play that gets you to the 50, then all of a sudden you get more, um, and so you your EPA goes up by that amount. If you get sacked on that first play, then obviously you're expected to get a little bit less out of that drive, so your EPA goes down. So uh, the Browns defense, first in defensive EPA per play, is really, really good. Going up against the Colts offense, uh, 21st in EPA and 14th in DVOA. Overall, the Browns are 9th in DVOA, while the Colts are 18th. I just feel like, and th this is rare for me because you know I'm not huge on the Browns, I just feel like this line is... Uh, kind of underselling what the Browns are able to do. Even if Watson, who again, noted piece of shit, comes in and struggles, this is still a team that should be able to beat the Colts by more than a field goal. So we're putting a star by this one and we're clicking on the Browns at minus two and a half. Patriots going up against the Buffalo Bills. This one won't be as long of a breakdown at all. The Bills 
are pretty good. The Patriots are pretty bad. The Bills are favored by eight points. I think the Bills beat the shit out of the Patriots. Um, this New England offense looks done. The defense is banged up, and with that, I think they're going to have some problems. The Bills just kind of squeaked by on Monday night against the, the Giants. Was it Monday or Sunday? Either way, in prime time against the New York Giants. This is not going to be, I think, one of those cases. I, I think the Bills win this one pretty convincingly. Amped up for a division rival, I think they still enjoy beating the absolute hell out of Bill Belichick and the, the Patriots. So I'm going to click on this one as well. Two in, two stars of a Buffalo minus eight. This one is going to be an atrocious football game. The Vegas Raiders go up against the Chicago Bears. Vegas favored by two and a half points. The total sits at 37 and a half. This was going to be an ugly game before this, but now Jimmy Garoppolo probably out for this game. Um, Justin Fields definitely out for this game. So two backup quarterbacks leading offenses that um, rank 32nd and 29th in efficiency and... Uh, oh, sorry, rank 30th and 25th in uh, offensive efficiency and 22nd and 24th in EPA per play. The good news for both offenses is both defenses also suck. The Raiders' defense comes in 23rd in defensive EPA, or sorry, 23rd in defensive DVOA, while the Bears are 29th. So neither of these teams are good. Some crazy how the Raiders are a 500 football team right now and in the mix for a playoff spot in the AFC. I'm not going with any side in this one. I'm just going to take the under, 37.5. I don't think either offense is going to be able to generate a whole lot from this game. From a fantasy perspective, it is really interesting what you do with DJ Moore. You probably drafted him in a way where you have to play him, um, but I don't know what you do with these Bears options. Probably look for better ones, quite frankly. Uh, Washington taking on the New York Giants. The Commanders favored by two and a half points. The total in this one sitting at 37 and a half. These are, again, two bad football teams. Uh, the Giants rank dead last in DVOA, while Washington is in the bottom third at 24th. Washington getting a, a bit of a boost. Sam Howell has played all right. Um, the, the Giants at least hung with the, the the Buffalo Bills in prime time. Probably should have won that game, if not for some missed pass interference calls and some shoddy execution at the goal line as well. Um, Washington feels like a bit of a better football team right now, but nothing that they have done leads me to believe that I should be giving up points and taking them. I'm staying far away from this one, but the format of this dictates that I should make a pick, so I'm going to just take two and a half points. Um, even if the Giants lose, maybe it's just by one or two. Um, so Giants plus two and a half is the play there. Big division matchup in the NFC South. Atlanta taking on Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers favored by two and a half points with the over-under uh, sitting at 37 and a half. Atlanta coming into this one with a team that has struggled. Um, the one thing that stands out, they're 12th in defensive EPA per play. Otherwise, their offense is 27th. Uh, DVOA, they're 26th. Offense and defense both at 24th. So you have a team that's been really bad, except for specifically in this one thing. So you would assume that those defensive numbers are going to turn around. Against the Tampa Bay team, that's 19th in, in DVOA on offense, but 10th on defense. You guys know I've been high on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like the quarterback better in this spot. We'll see what's going on with Mike Evans' health as he's dealt with some hamstring issues. But um, even if he's out, I think Chris Godwin is going to be fine. I just don't trust Desmond Ritter um, going up uh, against the Buccaneers. So I'm going to go Tampa Bay, minus two and a half, and the Bucs get a big interdivision win. 
one of the marquee games on the schedule, and you won't hear that a lot about the Detroit Lions, but they take on the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens favored by two and a half. The total is at 43 and a half. The numbers love Detroit. Fifth in EPA per play, seventh in defensive EPA per play, second in DVOA with a fourth rated offense and the third rated defense. The Ravens right there with them. They are second um, on both the defensive categories that, that I pay attention to, sixth in DVOA, fourth in offense. I, I am willing to admit that I have been a little hard on the Detroit Lions this season. Um, that being said... I do think a lot of those numbers that they have put up have come against competition that's not that great. The Baltimore Ravens can be great. And so I I think that this is an extremely difficult test for um, this offense and for this defense. I don't think this defense has improved. I think they've played bad offenses. I think they're going to have a real difficult time defending what Baltimore is doing this week. So I'm going to go Ravens minus two and a half. And that is a pick that we're going to click on here. Arizona taking on Seattle. The Seahawks favored by seven and a half points. That was an ugly performance against Cincinnati. Um, Charbonnet is now banged up. Geno Smith has looked more like um, the entirety of his career with the exception of last year. Uh, like it, it, he looks more like the Geno Smith that we all remember compared to what we saw a season ago. Arizona has been hanging around in games, but they, they certainly are falling off. I just don't trust Seattle to be able to blow away a division opponent. So I'm going to take Arizona plus seven and a half points. Pittsburgh taking on the LA Rams. Uh, the Rams favored by three points in this game. The total is at 43 and a half. Pittsburgh coming off of a bye. That defense has been great. They are 11th in DVOA, 10th in defensive EPA per play, while the Rams offense has been exceptional. 5th in DVOA, 6th in um, offensive EPA per play. And a lot of that was done without Cooper Cup. Now that they are still figuring out how to to maximize both Cup and Puka Nakua, but the the Pittsburgh Steelers offense is the part of this game that gives me the, the most concern. Yes, they hit one deep pass, and they are getting Deontay Johnson back, so we'll see how that factors in. But I think this Rams offense is going to be good enough to put up a few points on that Steelers defense, and I don't think that the same the other way around. I think Pittsburgh's offense continues to sputter, and because of that, I like the Rams to cover minus three moving on last page of the notebook for the nfl previews it is green bay taking on denver two pretty bad football teams i don't think we need to go a lot into it i had high hopes that green bay's young receivers were going to be able to help usher in their young quarterback it has not been the case i think it's more on the quarterback than, than the young receivers the green bay defense has not stepped up um in a big way either but denver everything is bad uh defensively they're 32nd in both categories dvoa they are 30th so i only have to give up a point and a half to take green bay i will take that and hope that red zone never ever ever shows this game another marquee matchup has the kansas city chiefs playing host to the los angeles chargers kansas city favored by five and a half points with a total at 48 and a half. Kansas City, all of their stats are in the top 10, while the LA Chargers defense has really struggled at times this season, but it's the, the offense that I want to focus on now. I think the world of Justin Herbert, but this has not been a good year for him. Um, th there have been a lot of times where it feels like that the offense, like they have had some weird games, for sure, that the Chargers are always going to have those, but it just feels like the offense is still kind of sputtering. And a lot of it was blamed on play calling last year. 
you have one of the better offensive play callers in the league and Kellen Moore by your side. If he's not able to unlock this, maybe it is just a talent issue out in LA. They are dealing with some injuries at receiver now, but I just don't think that this offense is ever going to live up to the expectations that a lot of people have. It, it's going to be good, but I don't think it's going to be that great offense that maybe we thought it could be with uh, Herbert at the helm. That being said, Kansas City's offense hasn't been blowing people away either. I do think they cover five and a half here, um, so I'm clicking on that one, but I'm also taking the under. I just haven't seen enough from Kansas City skill position players with the obvious exception of the most popular footballer in the world right now, American footballer, uh, being Travis Kelsey. Outside of him, there's just not a whole lot there for this offense. So I, I, I think that the Chiefs win and probably win it by uh, at least the possession, but I don't think that this is going to be a crazy high-scoring game. Sunday Night Football, it is a phenomenal game. The Miami Dolphins taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles favored by two and a half points. The total is, I believe, the biggest of the weekend at 51 and a half. Miami first in EPA per play, Philadelphia eighth. Uh, Miami's offense first in DVOA, Philadelphia seventh. You have two top 10 offenses, two of the top five teams in the league uh, consistently in my power rankings every single week going head to head. This is a marquee matchup and a massive test for everything that Miami is trying to do right now. Offensively, they've been able to put up some big numbers, but their biggest game of the year against Buffalo, they were kind of shut down. Now they go up against uh, an Eagles defense that has played pretty well. It's been middle of the pack so far this season. Uh, upper end, middle. Like, we will go above average for the Philadelphia Eagles, but that's defense is not what it was a season ago. Meanwhile, defensively for Miami, it has been a struggle. 27th in DVOA. That is not a place that Vic Fangio lives all that often. Um... I think as this defense continues to learn the, the playbook and continues to, to learn what Coach Vangio is trying to do for them, this defense will improve, but they have a tough test against a very good offense with the, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think Miami's offense is going to be good enough to keep pace in this game, so I'm going Miami plus the two and a half. And then on Monday night, it is San Francisco taking on the Minnesota Vikings. The 49ers favored in this game by six and a half points. They are the number one team in all the land on DVOA, thanks to a second round ranked offense and a fifth ranked defense while Minnesota mid 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 across the board 18th in EPA per play 16th in defensive EPA 16th in DVOA 15th in offense 15th in defense mid um San Francisco with a, a bit of a step back last week in a tough loss against the Cleveland Browns I would imagine San Francisco comes out with a oh, y'all thought we were done type of performance. Um, not the most analytically driven breakdown here, but I think San Francisco kicks the shit out of Minnesota. So I will gleefully go to the window with a ticket that says San Francisco minus six and a half. There you go. A breakdown of every game in the National Football League. Um, quickly, let's get into some CFL breakdown. Tonight, it is a big one as it is the BC Lions taking on the Calgary Stampeders. A Stampeders win... Uh, I believe wraps up a playoff, all but wraps up a playoff spot um, for the the Stamps. They, they would have one game left coming up uh, against Winnipeg, but Saskatchewan is done. So a monster game for um, 
for the Stampeders, but BC still has a lot to play for as well. They need Winnipeg to fall off um, in their games for BC to be able to catch Winnipeg for that top spot in the West Division and home field advantage, and we have talked about this before. The CFL playoffs are in November. Hosting the West Final is very important. You cannot get two different home field advantages than you are going to potentially be dueling with here. It is Winnipeg in November, or indoors in BC in November. The Lions want that home field advantage. I think the Lions come away with a big win here over the Stampeders as they still have quite a bit to play for there. So I got the Lions beating the Stamps. Uh, the Argos are going to start their starters against Saskatchewan. That is bad news for Saskatchewan. Um, so I, I think the Riders kind of get their teeth kicked in here by the, the um, by the Argos, and Winnipeg will still have something to play for as they want to keep pace with BC. I think they beat up on the Edmonton Elks. So I don't think it's an overly competitive week this week in the Canadian Football Week. That, uh, sorry, Canadian Football League. That is the breakdown for football. Let's get into the fight portion of Fights in Football Friday. UFC 294 is this weekend, and I could not be more excited. Um, a lot has changed on UFC 294 over the last couple of weeks as it comes to you from Etihad Arena out in Abu Dhabi. This is... It went from Islam Makhachev against Charles Oliveira. Fine fight. Very good fight for the 155-pound championship in the UFC, also known as the lightweight title. Um, and then you had Hamzat Chemaev against Paulo Costa. Interesting fight at 185 pounds. Costa, former title challenger. Hamzat, one of the better fighters in the UFC, not holding a championship at the moment. Now, it is Islam Makhachev against Alex Volkanovsky, number one against number two in the UFC pound-for-pound -pound rankings, and Kamaru Usman against Hamzat Shemaev, which a lot of people thought was going to be a championship fight at welterweight, now is up at middleweight with a shot at the middleweight championship on the line. This card got so much more intriguing in my mind over the last 11 days. Let's get into it. Um, we will start with the main event. Islam Makashev taking on Alex Volkanovsky. Makashev, the champion, um, coming into this one. 31 years old, 5'10", a 70-inch reach, born in Russia, training at American Kickboxing Academy. He comes into this fight with a 23-1 record, 4 wins by knockout, 11 by submission, the rest by decision, including his last bout at UFC 284 against Alexander Volkanovsky. It was the first defense of his lightweight championship. He has now won 12 in a row with seven finishes. Uh, the Volkanovsky fight, the first time that the judges have been required for a Makashev fight since 2019. He is 13-1 in the Ultimate Fighting Championship and made his pro debut in 2010. For Volkanovsky, he is 35 years old, standing 5'6", out of New South Wales, Australia, training at City Kickboxing, 26-2 for his career, 
13 wins by knockout, three by submission. He has been knocked out once in his career and lost a decision. His last bout got him back on track. His fifth featherweight title defense, a knockout victory over Yair Rodriguez at UFC 290. It ended, um, or it started hopefully for him another streak after his 22 fight win streak ended at the hands of Makachev back at UFC 284. Six of Volkanovski's last eight fights have needed the judges. He is identical to Makachev. 13-1 in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Starting as a welterweight, he's been a pro since 2012. There are a lot of variables coming into this fight. Obviously, a lot has changed for both of these men. Uh, Makachev was planning to face Charles de Bronx. Excellent fighter in his own right, but a little bit different than Volkanovski. Volkanovski had hand surgery three months ago and is now stepping back into the octagon against the man who I have at the top of my pound-for-pound pound rankings. These two rank one and two for me in terms of pound-for-pound, pound, so obviously the number one spot in men's UFC is on the line in this one as well as the lightweight championship. I think this is an interesting chess match because they've fought before. Uh, Volkanovski entered that one as a plus 310 underdog. He is now plus 225 coming into this bout. Just to, to go over that fight, I went back over my notes. Makashev got dominant position late in the first round, which ended up winning him the round. But one of the things that I noticed as that fight went on is Makashev would get to some controlling positions. He just didn't take full advantage of them. It was a lot of, I don't want to say lay in prey or anything like that, but th there wasn't a whole lot of damage that was done when Makashev got the advantage, whereas Volkanovski was hitting and moving the whole fight. He just couldn't stay away from the clinch in the first round. <coughs> But once he was able to do that, he wouldn't cough it up. I'm going to leave all that in. Um, what the fuck? <laughs> my wife is here today. It just Editing video is just a pain in the ass. So I'm going to just keep rolling with it. Um, Volkanovski, like I said, he hit and moved really well. He just couldn't stay away from the clinch. But in the second round, you saw Volkanovski really start to take more advantage of that quickness on the feet. And he was finding success at range. One of the things that did catch him was he did hang around a little bit too long. Like it would be hit and then move, but in the hit and then part, he would then get hit with a very big shot. Um, that would happen every now and then. But overall, Volkanovski's speed was becoming an advantage, whereas Makashev was landing big shots, but kind of only one at a time. And then he was getting takedowns, but not doing anything with them. The majority of the fight at range, Volkanovski was thriving. Once again, third round, Makashev could not slow down Volkanovski on the feet. So going into the fourth, I had Volkanovski up 29-28. In that fourth round, Makashev does get control back. He didn't threaten enough, but Volkanovski clearly didn't have an answer on the ground. Then in the fifth round, Volkanovski once again keeps it at range, is able to pick up... Um, pick up a lot of points on the feed, and it, it was his ability at range that really was the decipher, the deciphering point for me, I guess. I was going to say decipherer. Don't think that's a word. Um, Volkanovski ends up with a 48-47 scorecard from me. That's obviously not how it went. There were two judges that saw it 48-47 for Makashev, one saw it 49-46 for the lightweight champion. I just feel like if that fight plays out again, Volkanovski is going to, to get a decision win. Makashev has been in training for, for Oliveira, who is not as quick as, as Volkanovski. Um, is taller, but... And so because of that, still fights effectively at range. But no one is Volkanovski. I, I think he is the most talented fighter in the UFC today. I think he sets everything up so well 
it is just perpetual motion from him. I feel like given now five rounds to figure out what to do against Makashev, he's going to have another answer. So I actually think we get the upset in this. I am picking Volkanovski to win this by decision. Like I said, there's another marquee fight on this one. It is Kamaru Usman going up against Hamzat Shemaev in what has been dubbed a middleweight title eliminator. Usman, 36 years old, standing at six feet tall, born in Nigeria. He has a 76-inch reach and now trains at Onyx Sports. He is 20-3 and three for his career, nine wins by knockout, one by submission. He has been stopped twice out of the three losses in his career. Um, his last bout was a majority decision loss to Leon Edwards at UFC 286. Back-to-back -back losses to Edwards and um, ends his 19-fight win streak, and he ends up losing his title. Three of his last five fights, um, sorry, his last three fights have gone to the fifth round five successful title defenses for the first Nigerian-born UFC champion. Now, he's moving up a weight class for this one. Um, he has fought at 180 pounds once in 2013. Otherwise, this is his middleweight debut in a career that started in 2012. He has a UFC record of 15-2. and Chemaev, one of the more exciting prospects the UFC has had in quite some time. 29 years old, born in Chechnya, 6'2", a 75-inch reach, training at All-Star Training Center, a perfect 12-0 record, 11 wins, coming before the judges' scorecards were required, including his last bout, UFC 279, and all the madness that happened there where he fought at 180 pounds, picks up a submission win over Kevin Holland where he just kind of ragdolled him. It was his third submission win in the UFC. He's picked up finishes in the first round in three of his last four bouts. He's been in the UFC since 2020 and is 6-0 in that time, a pro since 2018. This is such an intriguing matchup because Usman has kind of fallen off a little bit. And there have been times, most times, when someone's run stops and you have a run like Usman has. When that run stops, it kind of is just over. It's really tough to get back to that level. A couple of guys have been able to do it. George St. Pierre, famously from the, uh, the, the welterweight division where um, he loses to, to Matt Serra and it feels like the sky is falling and then he just became the biggest star in the sport and was absolutely dominant and uh, earning kind of a, a ranking of at least welterweight goat, maybe the, the greatest of all time across the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So it's been done before, but th this is a tough one for, for Kamaru Usman because it wasn't a lucky kick this time around that lost it to him against Leon Edwards. And he is going up against Chemaev, who has every tool you could possibly think of in that toolbox. He absolutely ran through Kevin Holland last year. Again, it was a weird scenario around all of it, but the big advantage I thought Usman could have over Chemaev if these two ended up fighting at 170 pounds is Chemaev's body is just so clearly not set for 170 pounds. Now moving up to 185, Usman feels like he's a small middleweight, where Chemaev, it feels like that's where his body is supposed to be at 185. I just think it's going to be too much for Kamaro Usman. I, I like Usman a lot. Um, Chemayev, I'm a little eh on how he's handled things so far, but I think Hamzat comes away with a victory. I think he probably even stops Kamaro and picks up the win in that way. Those are the, the two main fights on UFC 294. Um, other fights that are of interest, Magomed Ankalaev taking on, um, Johnny Walker. Walker, three wins in a row after it kind of felt like he was done. This is a massive bout for him going up against, uh, Magomed Ankalaev, who had a draw against Jan Blachowicz when he had a chance to win the, um, heavyweight, or sorry, light heavyweight championship of the world. It's a 
10-fight unbeaten streak anyway for Ankulayev. Johnny Walker, it's been a fun run, and he certainly has power in his hands, but I think Ankulayev is going to be able to minimize the damage from that. I think Ankulayev comes away with the win. Uh, Tim Elliott is back on this one as he fights uh, Mohamed Makayev as well on the prelims. There's a lot of fighters that you probably haven't heard of before. Um, a lot of fighters without Wikipedia pages on this pay-per-view, but the two fights at the top make this a really, really intriguing card. Um, not sure if I'm going to be able to, to watch it live. Certainly not going to be able to do a live show after. Um, but at some point this weekend, there will be a UFC 294 recap show on this feed. Uh, for Couch Potato Diary. So that is the fight breakdown for UFC 294. It was a big weekend in boxing and not for the great reasons. Let's talk about it. Showtime, which has been a staple in boxing for a very long time, has decided to say bye-bye to the world of combat sports in general, which leaves a whole lot up in the air. Both Bellator, but mainly Showtime Boxing, um, now just going to be gone at the end of the season, uh, at the end of the year, sorry. This is a major blow for the sport of boxing, but it's also a major wake-up call for the sport of boxing. Showtime has been the number one since HBO left, um, which left a gigantic hole. And now... Showtime leaving basically leaves DAZN and ESPN as the only two places that are are really consistently showing boxing. Now, there's going to be pay-per-views, but um, like even pay-per-view, Showtime was number one with Showtime pay-per-view. It's uh, hopefully Mauro Ronaldo ends up wherever big boxing is because he is the the absolute voice of the sport right now. And anyone who would try to tell you otherwise is out of their fucking mind. He is so far ahead of everyone, and now he's been the voice of Showtime both in MMA and in the world of boxing. So we'll see where, where he ends up. But this is a big blow for the sport, having this big of a platform now gone. And you think of what Showtime has meant with um, up-and-comers focused on in, in some of the showbox that, that has been um, set up over the years. Obviously, massive, massive names, massive, massive fights. Basically, all the big fights, save for Canelo signing with DAZN, have been on, on Showtime over the last little while. But this is another one where the business of boxing seems to get in the way. It seems like it would be a gigantic fucking he headache to deal with this sport on a daily basis, where you just want to put the best fights together. But you have to work with this network to do that, and you have to work with this fighter to do this, and you have to work with this promotion to do that. And while this guy's the um the, the, this guy's supposed to be the title challenger well this guy's gonna go off and fight an MMA fighter anyway um you have the celebrity boxing thing that I feel like reached kind of a new low this weekend with uh the, the Logan Paul fight and the KSI fight it feels like a giant headache and we have seen like there was a lot of people excited about uh the PBC coming in and they brought in, like, NBC, and they brought in Fox, and ESPN was kind of featured on it. Um, I believe ABC came in as well. Like, they, they had big networks, and slowly those networks have trickled away. This has been such a great time in boxing. But it's also been such a gigantic headache with a lot of the stuff getting in the way. Eventually, we've been able to work through it and get some major fights, specifically recently, Spence against Crawford. But it has been... 
a giant problem getting to them. And so I, I think this needs to make everyone in boxing stand up and take note because the biggest platform this sport had just left like the other biggest platform this sport had before it and the three other biggest platforms this sport's had before that. That this is becoming a big issue for a sport that should be celebrating a banner year. Instead, the questions are, what's next? What's next for a Wrestling Hall of Famer is being asked a lot after a major announcement on AEW. Let's get into some wrestling talk. AEW Dynamite featured Sting saying that my first match in AEW was at Revolution in 2021. My last match in AEW is going to be Revolution 2024. So we have about a uh, we have a bit of time to revel in um, having Sting around. Between now and then, what kind of matches do you think we are going to get from him? I don't know. I don't think... We've probably seen Sting's last singles competition. Um, he has been amazing in AEW, and beyond anything you could have hoped, as he basically turned into AEW's new Jack. So, it's been a great... It's been a much better run than his time in, in WWE. I, I look at this now and see, like, okay, what do we have... To, what, what do we need to get in with Sting before everything is done? I, I think the big one is one that was kind of talked about before, and that's him with Edge. Um, Edge, Adam Copeland, the rated R Adam Copeland, whatever we're calling him, comes over to AEW a, a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned, like, I've never been in the ring with Sting before. Can we... Let's do that immediately. I, I don't care what the setup is. I don't care what whatever it has to be. Let's just get those two dudes in the ring, going at it. Um, another one that I would love, I don't know if it's going to work, and honestly, it probably wouldn't even be that great, but just the picture of Hiroshi Tanahashi in the ring with Sting would be uh, an incredible, incredible visual to, to see those two guys in there. I would love for Kenny Omega to have a crack at, at Sting, but it, it feels like we're, we're asking a lot now of, of Sting's body, that, that we're just throwing out dream match after dream match. The last match... I think should be against Darby Allen. Those two have been locked together since Sting came to AEW. I think it would be a phenomenal kind of passing of the torch, if you will, of uh, Sting facing Darby Allen to close out the career. But obviously, like, an incredible Hall of Fame career, one of the best characters of all time, honestly, two of the best characters of all time, um, with the, the surfer Sting in the late 80s, early 90s, being one of the foils for, for Ric Flair and the Horsemen, um, and then developing into the Crow character, going up against the NWO in WCW, um, the two of the all-time great characters that you will see in the industry of professional wrestling. So a, a gigantic thank you to Sting, and we will obviously have a lot of coverage on Sting as the career winds down. This show is also winding down. Let's get into today's ticket. All right, as with most times on the weekend, today's ticket is uh, a rather expansive one, but... I mean, look, if you bet $5 on every game we, we put on today's ticket yesterday, you got like an 11 cent profit. So obviously we got a lot of dough to be able to spend here 
on today's ticket. Uh, we will start with the actual today here on Friday. Um, the Texas Rangers going up against the Houston Astros. Jordan Montgomery was damn near unhittable in game one. He gets the ball in a crucial game five with this series tied. I think he comes up with another great performance against Justin Verlander. I'm going Rangers minus one and a half. There's plus money on that one. The Calgary Flames taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Flames are coming off of a back-to-back, -back, but a, a pretty strong showing against the Buffalo Sabres and overall a strong start to the year. Well, Columbus is bad. So I think the Flames win this one by a couple of goals. I have Flames minus one and a half. And I think the Devils are quite a bit better than the Islanders. So I'm going New Jersey minus one and a half on that one as well. Moving on to Saturday, we have two fights, or sorry, two plays on the same fight on this card. Um, Volkanovski and Makashev to go over four and a half rounds. I said it's going to go by decision, and we're going to take Volkanovski plus 225 to win the UFC's lightweight championship and become the latest champ champ in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. And then on Sunday, we are going the Cleveland Browns minus two and a half against the Colts, uh, the Buffalo Bills minus eight against the Patriots, the Ravens minus two and a half against Detroit, the Rams minus three against Pittsburgh, Kansas City minus five and a half against the Chargers, we're also taking under 48 and a half in that one, and we're going San Francisco minus six and a half. So a very busy ticket for a very busy weekend. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. Again, remember, if you're listening in podcast form, rate, review, and subscribe. If you are watching this video, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment. I, I can't imagine I batted a thousand on things that you agree with on this show today. So leave a comment with something you maybe disagree with or something you think I did awesome, um, and like this stream as well. Uh, coming up on Couch Potato Diary this weekend, like I said, hoping to have a UFC 294 post-fight something at some point this weekend. We also are winding down our NBA previews. Um, the Eastern and Western Conference win total episode is going to be on Monday, but this weekend we have a few more odds and ends to tie up with the NBA preview before we get to tip off on Tuesday, so we'll be covering that. Um, also, I had promised a, a BJ Penn legacy look, so hopefully that gets up at some time here this weekend. So it's still going to be a busy weekend. Um, follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, Couch Potato Diary, at Yahoo. Also, just search out Couch Potato Diary on Facebook. It has all the updates for all the content that is coming your way this weekend. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate it, and I will talk to you all later.